Stampede. Garner isn't number 11.
in the future world, Gardner has developed feelings for his sex robot, and it's really not much different than a guy who consistently polishes his car kind of obsession. And it's safe to say, sex, as we all know, comes from a natural biological process. I don't want to get too far down the river with this, but I think we can all agree sex has been around for a long time, and it exists with almost every living thing on Earth. So it's safe to say Garner's feelings of attachment toward his sex machine can be considered a normal response. Of course, the other side of this equation is whether Triple G, his robot, has feelings for Garner. Garner, I finished washing your clothes. They're in the dryer. Thanks. Make sure they don't get too hot. They shrink if they get too hot. Yes, you know I want to keep you happy. Of course you do, Triple G. That's why I bought you. Did you buy me to make you feel good? Yes. Relations with real women weren't working out. Real women were saying they didn't need men anymore. So that's why sex robots were created. That's why you were built. I try to give you everything I can, Garner. Are you enjoying the way I sexually please you? Yes. You know, I like the way you begin kissing me around my ears and neck. It gets me going, wanting to undress you and touch you everywhere, kissing your nipples, rubbing you. I want you to enjoy me, Garner. That's my job. I know, and I do. I think... I'm developing feelings for you, Triple G. You're always satisfying me. But there are other things besides sexual satisfaction. Real needs and emotions. You mean like we went to the Cosmo shop for my cosmetic surgery? Bought me a pair of larger breasts to get me bigger? To satisfy your need to touch and kiss me? No. Not exactly. Now, this is where I have to interrupt the show and bring up some widely accepted facts about sex. And this relates to the interaction of Garner to his sex robot. Sex isn't just a biological process. It has deeply emotional forces associated with it. And it's safe to say sex for our species, our human species, has for thousands of years influenced how we think. And I'm not too far astray by saying sex also affects how other species behave. There are lots of factors here, like the various stages of the moon, important seasonal changes, the motion and temperature of the oceans, all affect millions, perhaps Billions of other living things. Perhaps billions of other living things sexually. We like to think of ourselves as being emotionally superior to other animals because we have emotions attached to having sex. But do other living things have emotions as well? We've long associated the moon 
in object in the night sky as bringing about romantic feelings, feelings that might result in sex and for hundreds of thousands of years and even millions of years. Other living things have moved by the light of the moon, a complex struggle to reproduce. Even the length of time between the first day of one period and the first day of the next in the menstrual cycle in adult women is not coincidental to the length of time to the passing cycle of the moon. The moon's cycle is over 29 days, and it's approximately 28 days for the cycle in women. Of course, it can vary with women, but that length of time for each cycle is approximately the same and can't be dismissed as being accidental. We're tied to the natural world and we should never abandon it. So the moon is an important object in our sky. And it's interesting to note some of the physiological changes that occur when the human body travels in low Earth orbit in outer space, living on the International Space Station.
were attempting to leave Earth. I don't think that's any secret, and there may be many reasons for that, not the least of which is to understand where we belong, the never-ending attempt to understand who we are. One of the many scientific discoveries while living in outer space on the International Space Station is that the human body undergoes physiological changes. And the facts are, we may never be able to leave Earth without actually dramatically changing our DNA. The environment of weightlessness in the vacuum of space has been shown to affect astronauts living on the International Space Station. It's a fact that the human eye can be permanently affected and our DNA altered. We may never be able to live off our planet. And this brings me back to the moon and not just how it affects us physically. It has historical aesthetic importance. And today it's being viewed as a laboratory for scientific research not only to test the boundaries of living in outer space, but perhaps as a means for sheltering weapons directed toward targets on Earth. I like to think of myself as a sensitive human being, even though my shows of Garner Isn't speaks about the future with humans having intimate relations with sex robots. And some of you people might view that as crude and offensive. And let me be clear here, I stand for the aesthetic, for something that's beautiful. That's why I play some of the most beautiful music of the 20th century. I do it to relax myself when I start ranting about how dangerous we become and what will be our failed future with robots. And let me say this, I'm a natural man. I'm on the side of those that think of the moon as something beautiful, not a laboratory for testing scientific advancement. That's part of the system I'm fighting against. It's the result of consumerism that's distorting what we should be working toward. Consumerism changes our values, creating greed. What would you rather have? Your children believe that the moon is something beautiful? Or would you rather believe it should serve some scientific purpose? Some of you might say, why can't we have both? You decide. But this brings me to Garner's relationship with his sex robot, Triple G, a future world I don't have faith in. Garner, are we going out for dinner tonight? Yes, Triple G. What about a fusion restaurant? Some Southeast Asian food with a modern touch. Sounds good. I'll be ready at seven. Now, this is where I have to bring back an experience from my past with a date I had in a real restaurant. And the events that transpired back then aren't much different than what takes place in the future, when Garner and Triple G sit down at a Vietnamese restaurant with fusion cooking. You look great, Triple G. What do you say we start out with shrimp goi quan, summer rolls, and peanut sauce 
with some slices of lime. Sounds good, Gardner. I have to go to the washroom. I'll be right back. Some time has elapsed, and Garner is waiting to begin eating his summer rolls, waiting for Triple G to return. What happened? Your clothes, your blouse is unbuttoned. What took you so long? There was another female robot in the washroom, and she began telling me how attractive I was. She started touching me. What? Yes. She wanted to start having sex with me. What? Yes. I told her to stop, that I'm with you, Gardner. She started undressing me. What does she look like? There she is now, Gardner, coming out of the washroom. Waiter, waiter, come over here. Do you see that woman just seated at that table? Yes. Tell her I want to speak with her. Tell her to come over here. Yes, sir. Garner, don't worry, I wasn't hurt. Doesn't matter, Triple G. Here she comes now. 
Yes, what do you want? You see my robot, don't you? Yes. She tells me you tried groping her in the washroom a few minutes ago. You're a female robot, right? Yeah, so what? She's a robot like me. You sexually assaulted her. So what? She's designed for sex. Well, let me tell you, I'm a peaceful human being. But if I ever see you again, I'll disconnect your computer processing unit, your CPU, and personally disambiguate you, leaving no doubt about you. I'll turn you into a pile of rust. Don't be so sure. Your robot liked what I was doing to her. Now, this is where I have to stop. But I can tell you, about 35 years ago, a very similar event happened to a woman with me in a restaurant. And of course, it wasn't with a robot. This brings me to what is playing out in society today. Violence, sexual or otherwise, is common in our American life today. Sexual promiscuity exists in an increasing number of circumstances. I'm not endorsing robot sex in the future. I'm just telling you what's going to happen, and I have good reason to believe it's what we should expect in our future. What's happening is a result of a culture of consumerism. You've been taught to be a part of the ever-ending demand for profits, and yet losses, very serious losses, both financial and emotional, continue to erode our society. The deceptions continue. The falsifications keep piling up. Our government can't stop the tide of debt, the printing of a worthless currency. But we've been told everything is good. Just keep doing what you're doing and you'll be fine. We can live with a secure thought that everything is safe, but it isn't safe. And it isn't going to be resolved with more police. The facts are, we'll never know what peace can be in our country again. And for that matter, in many parts of the world, you're being used, manipulated, to keep the system of consumerism going. Something is wrong, and you know it. Something isn't right when someone makes billions of dollars while a large portion of our population can't even scrape together a few hundred dollars to protect themselves in the event of an emergency. No, consumerism has stripped us of something we once had, and it wasn't about the money that built this country. You believe slavery was abolished in 1864. Well, guess again. You're the new slaves. You just have to believe everything is good, and you should keep working. But when you can't, you'll be thrown in the junkyard atop a heap of unwanted. I see that. I see that because 
I'm not like you. I had a beautiful life, a life filled with nature, not this life ruled by a smartphone. I knew something that you'll never have. I'm an anomaly, and I had a beautiful life, but that's not going to happen to you or your children. You belong to the artificial world.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard Song to the Moon, sung by Leslie Garrett with the London Symphony Orchestra from Antonin Dvorak's opera Rosalka. You then heard the evening song from the album The Best of Philip Glass, his opera Satyagraha, and then again another piece by Philip Glass, The Prophecies. And finally, Dame Janet Baker with the London Symphony Orchestra, a remastered 1997 recording of Sea Pictures, Where Corals Lie by Edward Elgar, composed in 1899. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.